Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Time for another edition of DDP Snake Pit right here, presented exclusively by Podcast Heat and AdFreeShows.com. I, of course, am John Alba, and this week we've got a special presentation of DDP Snake Pit. Of course, we've got the Hall of Famer, Mr. Diamond Dallas Page, but besides him, you see him, one of the stars of AW today, one of the true pillars of the company, Mr. Darby Allen. Darby, how you doing today, man? Howdy. I'm doing lovely. <laughs> we're, we're so happy to see you now, Dallas. I noticed that we're missing someone, uh, Jake the Snake. Yeah. I, I look forward to his wit every day, but where's he at today? You know, first of all, in the old days, like before Jake got sober, it, he just would no show. <laughs> you know, I, but already called me and told me some story. But the Jake today, who's been sober for, I would say, like super sober, like no screw ups for the last six and a half, seven years. You know, when he first got sober, it was on and off again occasionally. But uh, he's been so sober, so clean. He literally met me outside as I was walking in, and he had zero voice. I go, why did you even come? He goes, well, you know, I, you know, I, 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 I was trying to work it, and I didn't want to disappoint you. I'm like, no, dude, go home. I mean, he had no voice. So I was super psyched. That we got uh we had Darby uh on the show. That's awesome. Um, so one of the things, Darby, you know, I got a bunch of you know questions, and we've known each other for so god since you got an AEW, but well, it was it was Cody, was it Cody the one who found you? Like, let's go right back to where you like you started from. Where I know you were doing the independence and uh and stuff, but was it Cody who discovered you for AEW? Yeah, it was. Uh, so I was doing this show up in Northeast Wrestling against Pentagon, who's also in right. AEW. Right. <laughs> Crazy wild man. And I was having a match with him, and then Cody saw that match. And then at the time, Cody just thought I was like the crash test dummy. Right. But he actually saw me like work a match where there was more than just taking gnarly bumps. And then uh, he asked – Lombardi what my contract status was and at the time I was signed with another like little promotion uh and then the moment I heard that that like Cody was interested 
<laughs> Long story short, I paid twelve thousand dollars to get out of my contract. <laughs> <laughs> I took a loan out, and then I, I, uh, I remember I used to hit Cody up like every day, just blow his phone up, and he would never really answer. And he I, said, "No way." The worst. Now he's old man. His old man. I gotta tell you, starting to interject. We'll come back to this. His old man. I would call him. Dream, call me back. You know, blah blah blah. I mean, it might go two weeks, and then eventually I'd see a message on my machine. God damn, that is. I've been calling and calling and calling, and leaving you messages. You ain't been calling me back. You're pissing me off. Click. You know, he would do shit like yeah, that. One time. Just the fuck with me, you know. But uh, Cody just don't. He just don't answer that damn phone unless. You're at you know at a level he needs to get a hold of somebody. Then he's picking that phone right up magically. So when I don't need his texting, he sucks too. Like I'll just text him, yo, and that's it. And then I'll look back, hey, <laughs> and then we'll get a couple texts. Then I'll ask him a question. I won't hear from him for days. I mean, people people get a, you know they get they get upset with it, but I'm so used to it because I've known him since he was 12 years old, and he wasn't always like that. But funny, you know, just funny the way. He, so he, he never got back, to, but you kept blowing his phone up. Right? Yeah, well, because the thing and normally is, that pisses him off. I'm, I, yeah, but I didn't get, I didn't give a shit. I, at this rate, no, good move. Yeah, good move. Rate, I, I didn't care who I pissed off because, like, did you already pay your twelve thousand out now? No, that's why I was hitting him up. I was like, oh. is this for sure? Because I'm taking twelve thousand dollars out of a loan, and then I was like, I need to know, like, what's going on. Now, now wait, wait, wait. Is this, is this a? Um, is, is AEW up and going at the time? No, no, no. There this, is no AEW, this is, right? This is before Double or Nothing even happened. Wow. So, like, I was, I, I just heard that there was this new company starting up. And then this is before TV was, like, even talked about. I just, right. And I was like, oh, I was like, this is crazy. All I heard when they were promoting it was, like, the word creative freedom. And I was like, that's mm. where I need to be. I was like, that's where I need to be. So, uh, I just hit Cody up like a bunch. Then eventually we, I went to his house and then we talked, and then, well, obviously he gave you his address. Yeah, because <laughs> he a just don't people, give that out. A lot of people are afraid to give me their address. They think I'm gonna like. Do well, some, you are at their house. <laughs> you are like the tattoo on the back of your neck, and I, we did a. I wish I was wearing a damn shirt, and we did a documentary, Relentless. Yeah, you know, and yeah, you, you have to be like if you really want something. And it's a it's your dream. You have to be pleasantly persistent, which is well, what you are. Well, that's that's the thing because at the time, uh, I was kind of being groomed to go to NXT, and really, I saw the writing on the wall. And this is back when Two Hundred Five Live was a thing. If you right. remember Two Hundred Five, no, Live. I remember. And I was like, hell, fucking no, I'm not going there to do that. Like, I I don't want to be put in a box <laughs> like my money is wrestling like david goliath matches 100 percent. and i'm not like I, I wrestled in like uh mexico a few times and then i felt like everything that made me special was lost when i was in mexico because the art of selling like goes out the window no, there is no there <laughs> is zero selling in mexico I, I remember i was like yeah this isn't like and then all i could think about is i was like i'm there's no way so i was like i like i wanted AEW, and then i can sink or swim on my own like merit like you know i have the opportunity to get over as myself you know and then fail as myself so that's why i was just constantly like calling 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 call and then we had the meeting and then right back up back up i also say something there is zero selling in mexico but you know who sold like son of a bitch and got over like 
the ultimate warrior was Conan. When Conan had the braids, I mean, and the whole deal he had going on, he was so over because he was one of the few guys who actually sold out there. And Vampiro, too. So, yeah, I was put in these crazy like multi-man matches. Like there's, there's like, 20 people. <laughs> there's like no, like there's like eight dudes, and then like I was like, I can sell on the floor the whole match, but no one's gonna care. But <laughs> you know, so uh yeah, so like it was it was a feeling I had that I needed to go there. Like there was I don't know, I was just so drawn to it. So we had the meeting, me and Cody, and then so when did he finally answer his phone, call you back? Like, how 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 far are we out of double or nothing at that time? <sighs> Shit, I would say probably two months. Mm. Yeah, so I wasn't on the first AEW pay-per-view, right. like double or nothing. I went to the building to watch it, but I wasn't, like, participating in it, which I felt was, like, looking back on it, like, the best thing to happen because I probably would have been pushed into this, like, battle royal and kind of like lost in the shuffle so i feel like everything happens for a reason and then the fact that i wasn't on that show and i was saved till their next show where i actually wrestled cody in that 20 minute broadway which 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 by the way that's a big fucking deal yeah yeah in your, in your career that's a big no 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 that fucking was deal that was the night that when i meet a lot of people they say that's when i first heard about you right and you know, like, because Cody made you. Well, that match, <laughs> that that match, like, I knew everything was riding on that match. That yep. like, I needed to like go all out for that match and like get as wild as possible. That's why you see me like doing these crazy coffin drops on the apron. I knew that like this is the first impression for like a lot of people. So you know, I remember he texted me and he's like, 20 minute Broadway question mark." <laughs> like two what months. did you think what did you think when you saw that i i honestly like i didn't know what a broadway was <laughs> and I was, I, was like, I was like what the fuck is he talking about i remember i was in los angeles at the time and then he's I, taking me to broadway i was like sure you want to see pam like, I'm yeah let's like, do it <laughs> but, uh, but the thing is like i was so i was but then what the, really like kind of i felt like sold me uh not sold me but i got uh Tony Khan, uh, so John Moxley, when he he did uh, when he left the WWE, like he did a few matches in New Japan, right? But his first US indie date back was against me. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. So this is before he wrestled in AEW or anything. It was against me, and then uh, at this rate, I was already like kind of doing this. I already signed to AEW, but I don't feel like Tony Khan was that familiar with my work. Yeah, I didn't know your shit, right? Yeah, and then he saw that match, and he's like... Now, how did he see that match? Was it on, uh, on like, an yeah, internet was a, thing? Yeah. It was, it was that, a, that's where you did the uh, handcuff gimmick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about... How to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. So, uh, and then I remember like Tony saw that and was like, okay, I get it now. Right. Because, like, Cody was, like, selling him on me right. up until then. But right. then it's, like, he sees that. And he's, like, oh, I get it. And then it's, like, the 20-minute Broadway with Cody, like, 
it was a no brainer to book at that rate because, and I was like, you know, I was like, I, I wasn't under the impression that we were going to go a t draw. I thought it was just going to be a, a loss, you know, sure. but that was like real cool of Cody to do that because. But let's, let's, let's stop there. Let's just stop there. I want you to really take that in because that's a moment in your career that literally made you. Yeah, of course. I mean, this, this cat who, you know, broke away, you know, from, you know, WWE making stupid fucking money. Like he's got, I don't know what he was making, but I know that spot somewhere around a half a million bucks a year. And you walk away from that because you believe you are a main event guy. Yeah. Like, and, and, and it's the same inner belief that you have. Like when you look at you and you walk it through, just regular dude fucking like, he's a main event guy. Yeah. Cause you know where it starts right here. Yeah, that six-inch piece of real estate in between your ears, <laughs> and nobody else has to see it but you. So Cody saw that. He went out, made his you know made his name independently. Yeah, turned made everybody forget about Stardust, and that was the key to get to that point. And then Tony Khan and him bonding, and then the beginning of AEW, and the first thing he does, and I'm watching him, and I'm watching that match, and I don't know the finish because I always told him I don't want to know the finish. I want, I want to be surprised. When I saw it was a Broadway, I was like, wow, this kid's special because he would never have done that yeah. if he didn't think so. Well, that's, that's uh, you know, I don't take any of that shit for granted. Like, Can't. <laughs> I know, like, you know, people can say whatever about Cody, like, you know, now that he's gone. But, you know, I still like I, I have nothing negative to say. People's lives and people's decisions and their paths are all different. And like, I'm like, I love that dude. And, you got it, and man. Then, like, uh, but he's, he, he's really like your macho. Like when macho put me over. Yeah, I mean that changed my fucking well, life. If you look at it too, is I had after that I had three other matches with Cody. Right, and he and put the, you over. In the last, he beat me. Uh, the second time right what you needed to he beat me the third time <laughs> right and then but the fourth time which are a final match that we've had i beat him for the tnt championship which right. is the one that really meant something yeah and like i don't i don't i personally don't give a shit about wins and losses like i don't i really I don't it. like that's the thing i like i hear from sting you know because what a lot of people don't know is you know people think like oh why like you know how does darby and sting get along and I'm like, what they don't see is like our camaraderie behind the scenes. Yeah, let's let's say that. Let's say that. We'll yeah. go. I gotta... but, but, but 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 the touch base on real quick is like what Sting taught me more than anything is if you're as good as you think you are, you can win in losing. A hundred percent. And like you know, like the egos and stuff like that. And I love. It's kind of, you know, I love like putting other people over right. if I know that it's if it's going to if that person's going to if the person's somewhat new to the company and they're going to take that ball and like run with it and like, then it helps the whole place out. A hundred percent. I so. go back to like how many, my two of my four favorite matches are losses. One is the sting on nitro where I lost the title to him and then won it back later that night. And the other one's the Goldberg. I love that match. Yeah. And the people were so good. I love to have won. Hell yeah. But it was an amazing match, and we had the people in the palm of our hands. So look how many times Scott Hall lost, how many times Jake Roberts lost, how many times I lost. It doesn't – it's all how you do it. Yeah. 
And a hero is defined by the size of his opponent. So every time you walk out up there with one of those guys who are freaking twice your size, the people are going to be with you like a son of a bitch. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, it, um, it's just, it's, it's fun for me. You know, I love uh, telling that story and, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't care if I, I don't know. I just, I have no ego when it comes to this stuff, but. Um, so let me, let me ask you like, uh, who, like, I saw a video in you, which I thought, well, let me, let me talk about this first. Don't, don't put the Cody stuff away. But you would get, when AEW started, a lot of videos, like like vignettes, like Vince would do or WCW would do back in the day. But most people don't know. You did them. Yeah, I do all my videos. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Cody told me at one point, he's like, man, he goes, a lot of people are getting pissed off at me because I'm playing all this Darby stuff. He said, but... Darby does them himself, yeah, and they're really good. <laughs> yeah, like uh, so. How? What made you think to do that? Because I guess in this age of YouTube and everything, it's a little, it's it's a step farther than when I was coming up. But pretty you know, ballsy to. But you've been doing this your whole life, right? Yeah, I went to film school, and I've been filming and like making movies since I was like in sixth grade, and doing all this like shit, and then a lot of the crazy skateboarding, and I. Um, so like with the videos, I, it was just another reason when they say create freedom, sure. AEW that like, I'm like, all right, like put this up. And then I feel like the fans can kind of, the reason I like doing crazy stuff outside of the ring and then showing my old past skate video, like slams and all this crazy stuff right. is because I can go on TV and say, I can take an ass kicking, but like these videos show that I can really take it. You really can. <laughs> and they're like, oh, this guy's like legit. Like, there's no way to fake him falling 20 feet on the concrete, you know? So uh, that's why, like, I, like, love these videos. And it's post, like, it's also an extension of, like, my creativity. And and it's, like, fun for fans to see that because it just, instead of them just watching me wrestle, they can kind of get another feel for how, like, what I am into outside of wrestling. Like, I remember the first promo that we did that aired on TV is when we went to a Ghost Main concert, which is like my buddy's band. They're playing, and then right. I, they put me in a they put me in a body bag and threw me in the crowd. And I was crowd surfing this body bag, <laughs> and then like I remember that <laughs> was on TV, and I, I remember that was on TV, and people were like, "That was the coolest thing ever." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah," like, and then ever since then, we've obviously like went more and more insane with these promos. Like last year for All Out, when I was wrestling CM Punk, we did a video where. Wait, <laughs> You you go from to the mo the most over one of the most over guys in professional wrestling. <laughs> you go to that level. I mean, it's very quickly you rise, but it's it's all the work you put in. Yeah. to get there. But go ahead, keep talking. We we did a thing where we t uh, tied my brother in a body bag under a helicopter with a rope, like so he's oh attached to helicopter, and then we were like flying it around. So he's like dang like. So we're above this lake, and he the body bag is like kind of spinning in a circle like that. And I'm supposed oh, to wait a second. He's in the body bag, yeah, attached to a rope, tied to a rope. What is it, ankles? No, no, like he's got like a vest on inside oh, the body bag. Okay, now can you see him? No, so he's why do you have everybody in there because because I wanted to have because you see his arm hanging out. <laughs> you have to you <laughs> no, no, I sacrificed the brother, yeah. But, but <laughs> the, thing, the thing is, so at the end of the video, I jump out of the helicopter. Um, but I like have to time it perfect because he's spinning around in circles like this. So if you watch the video in slow motion, I got to see that video. He, I, I jump and I barely miss him. Like a second later, he swings by. So there's like 
like a split second where if he spun around at the time, I would have kicked his head on the way down and hey. probably broke my leg. And uh, yeah, how far did you drop? Probably seventy feet. Um, in the water? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he's he's crazy, but he's not that crazy, Dallas. <laughs> It was a cinematic promo, just like the body bag. But then we also we stepped it up even more when you were at the house. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> Wait, my back is up. So Darby calls me up. He goes, "Hey, D, uh, you know, uh, I'm gonna jump. I got I got this this Jeep, and I'm gonna jump my house and crash into a bunch of shit." I said, "You're gonna what?" <laughs> he's like Darby, take it easy. Don't beat your body up anymore. He goes, no, no, it's going to be safe. It's going to be good. We got everything worked out. So I get all the way down there, and I don't know something went wrong that day where they couldn't do it or whatever. The insurance, like it, they they weren't. They didn't have enough. They didn't have enough insurance. No, they they, they went and allowed the insurance. We had to go to some backwoods insurance company that allowed me to do that <laughs> because this, this this guy was like, they're gonna he's gonna jump his house in a jeep. Like, no, we're not. No one's gonna sign off for this, but then we found some. I don't even know the name of the insurance, like Sunshine Lanes, or it's something like white trash bowl. Like, <laughs> it was like something that like gave us the green light, and then wait, that's was, the week later. So, 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 wait a minute. I drive up on the house, and I'm with Eric Watts, and he's got this mound of dirt that is lined up like it, it's a friggin' ramp. Yeah. You create this ramp of dirt. It's, it's got to be, I don't know, 100,000 pounds of dirt yeah. that's up there that rides right up to his house, and he's got this Jeep that the brakes don't work. <laughs> yeah, and, and there was no speedometer either. <laughs> and there's no speedometer. <laughs> so he has, he has to get to a certain speed to be able to, and they don't know this because they haven't tried it. So Darby, so he basically, it doesn't happen that day. And then I goes like a week or so later, you yep. call me up again and say, week, yep. listen, I promise this time it's coming. So I come down there, Sting's there, we hang out for a bit. But here comes Darby and I, he goes, he goes, the speedometer doesn't work now. I go, but don't you have to get to a certain speed? He said, yeah. I go, well, he goes, I'm just going to gun it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that some bitch flew. He's here, so obviously he's okay, <laughs> but. I remember I remember it because leading up to it, uh, Travis Pastrana helped set that up. And right. He, he's right, like the most right. – the, the madman. Uh, 
And then he like texted me the night before. He's like, yo, just to remind you, there's a good chance that you will break your back on this. And <laughs> nice. it's like, it's like right in that, you know, right in that like, Sting, you might have to find a new partner. Here. <laughs> because like, I was like, I'm going to do this like no matter what. But you know, one of the things that, and this is, you know, plugging my own shit, but one of the things that people don't know is you are heavy about preventative maintenance. Yeah. And I really don't know. Really, there's a couple of guys in the business, but nobody like Darby. First of all, you're straight edge, right? Yeah. Okay, so let's we'll get we'll get to this in a second. Let's let's talk about being straight edge because I think punk is too, right? Yeah. You know, there's a bunch of guys from what I understand. Yeah, Brody we, King also. Yeah, you know, and to, you know, you go back to my day, <laughs> and nobody's straight edge. <laughs> you know, because uh, of drinking and pills and booze and coke and no. Uh, uh, all that I saw, I was already through all that shit by the time I became a wrestler, and I never realized that the pills, like you take a Vicodin, you need it for the painkiller, it makes helps go away. If you take a couple of beers, all of a sudden, like, ooh, whoa, what the fuck? Like it changes, and then you take a couple more Vikes and you get higher, and then there maybe people too in somas, which are muscle relaxers, and this is why so many guys died. Yeah, because your heart is a muscle and when you're taking all those muscle relaxers and i knew guys who would take five somas at a time right. boom and then take five more half hour later and then maybe take five more and then forget they took those five and take five more <laughs> i mean there's been everything from guys going into comas in three months to their heart just stopping and dying and and that's why I, I don't know what the uh drug policy is at aw i i don't i never was around that but um, WWE, I mean, they came out with a serious, like, you got a pill in you? Who gave it to you? How you know how much is in you? I mean, it's a big deal. But you came in, and that's one of the, I think, one of the biggest reasons why you can do, you know, a lot of the, take the abuse. Because, I mean, when I look back at your earlier career, we're going to throw up some of these uh, uh, the uh, <laughs> skateboarding off the roof of your house and i mean along the top and then you go down what fucking what what gave you that message to do that <laughs> <laughs> we're like we're, oh i think i'll just ride my skateboard well, around the house and so so uh growing up when i first moved to seattle i did like i spent a lot of time alone just because like i didn't have too much friends and then like i felt like i uh I like, for example, like in seventh grade, how I spent my spring break was like, I like stayed in a walk-in closet for five days and tried to test myself to like, you know, like <laughs> how long you could stay in a closet by yourself with no food or water. Well, I, I, my brother like delivered the food. Yeah. Your brother is one of your cronies. Yeah, and then, yeah. <laughs> so like, so I'd be like, yo, can you get make me a sandwich? But like, it's just cause I, I, I spent so much time alone. How there. old are you then? 13, 14. Okay. I spent so much time alone, like staring at the wall, like, and just being so bored, wishing like I had like a purpose. Cause like, I didn't really know, like, cause I, I loved professional wrestling growing up. Right. But like, I just thought it wasn't in the cards just cause I was so small. Right. And then, um, and I went, we're going to come back to that because yeah. I want to know what shifted that, but keep going where you're going. And then, uh, so like, I would spend so much time alone just being like bored and like not having really any friends. And then, like, but the moment I kind of started doing, physical stunts like crazy stuff what, what's the first stunt you did uh front flip off the washer onto like oh. the concrete floor 
I just, you flipped. Now, are you, are you landing on your feet? No, not on my back. Oh, my God. <laughs> on a concrete floor. Okay, yeah. What obsessed you to do it? Then you say, fuck, that hurts. I'm not doing that again. No, not I, you. I, no, I, yeah, I felt like just feeling like they're, you know, that's like the big thing with like stunts for me is it, it kind of gives me a purpose like, and it pushes me out of my comfort zone because I could be so comfortable and complacent. But the moment you do something gnarly, you're like, Oh crap. I'm, I was capable of doing that. Wow. So it makes you stronger mentally. And then that's like what I started doing. And then the moment I started like doing more skateboarding and so, 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 so are you a skateboarder already at that point? I'm just learning. Just learn. Yeah. And then the moment I just skipped the basics. Like with the skateboarding, I just went straight for like the crazy stuff. So you didn't even learn how to flip the board or anything. No, I, didn't, I didn't know how to do a kickflip probably till like three and a half years into skateboarding. Kickflip <laughs> is like the basic, you know? right? So like I was I just, skateboarded. I'm, my 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 wheels were the friggin' metal wheels. Yes, yeah. I mean those were like that was the worst skateboard ever. Yeah, I crashed and burned so many times because I was also a, a skateboarder and a surfer. You know, but now I don't. I, think, I don't want to fall off that fucking board. I want to get on those big boards so bad. I want boards. to do it so bad. Yeah. But I know it's like in my brain. It's me like Sting, you can't do that. Me and Sting joke about it, where I'll I'll skate down to the entrance and he'll ride a longboard down. And like, has like, he done it? No, but he had a longboard in his garage when I went to his house down. Oh, Texas. he might be practicing. And I was like, I, was like, I want to see it. <laughs> it's like oh. there's surfer Sting, crow Sting. And now skateboarders. Oh God! It's the final incarnation. Well, I want to get all of this thing later, but let, let's keep going because I really want to know like how this this all came to be. Well, so like the more crazier stuff I did, the more I felt like it it like opened me up to the world and like kind of introduced me to more and more people. So through my crazy stunts, I started filming stunts for that show Ridiculousness, right? Ridiculousness, and then selling clips to them. And then I'll like, actually no way back up because most people <laughs> just give those clips away. Hope they get on TV. You actually were smart enough to like sell them to them. Yeah. So like I, be- what'd your first one sell for? Uh, 300. No. Shit. And then, and then, so, so when I'm, when I'm just, I don't have a job and I'm riding the Metro. How old are you? 18. Like I'm riding the Metro bus. Right. And like, you know, being like so broke in washington like and then uh so i'm selling this so like 300 like holy shit like, yeah fucking hey and then um so i'd sell those clips and but then it started like i felt like it, it i was like oh shit like and then i kept doing more and more and more crazy stuff and then i uh and then i there's this big lightning bolt sculpture in front of the space needle it's like insane oh yeah i've seen that and i, dro- I dropped in on it with the skateboard and then how did you get up there though Oh, you can climb up. Like, there's a there's a way you just jump up and like kind of like pull yourself up, and then you climb to the top. So like, I, I when I dropped it on that, I remember I, then I sold that clip to Tony Hawk. No kidding. Yeah, because I ate like the. Now, worst how do you get a hold of Tony Hawk? That's a big name. He came to me for that really? clip. No shit. Yeah. And then, so he found you by seeing. And that this clip. is 2011. Right. So like, I sell him that clip. How much for shit? I think it was like four hundred. Tony, and, you fuck. No, no, no. <laughs> no but, but it was his. It, you ripped him off. It was the ride, Tony, ride, Tony Hawk. The, the, the ride channel. Like, I love Tony. The, yeah, the ride channel. Like bought it in his. That's right. his YouTube channel. Right, right, right. And then, uh, and it was like it was cool because that was another thing. I'm like, oh fuck, like I've made it again. Yeah. And then it's just like from there, it was just like let's do everything like crazy shit. And then like, all well, of a sudden, but, but the roof thing. I, I, well, we all know. 
Mick Foley, Cactus Jack, Dude Love, Mankind. Yeah, jumping off. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> jumping off his his roof into some stacked up beds. That literally changed the pace of wrestling. Yeah. Mick going off the top of the cage. That changed everything. Oh yeah. I'll never forget watching that. Malone and I were getting ready for our you know thing with Rodman and, and Hogan, and he was at my house and he was getting a massage. And he all of a sudden he heard this eruption and he stuck his head out and thinks, what happened? I go, and I said, what? Oh my God, is he dead? And you <laughs> see Mick laying there. And Mick, I mean, wow, that, that was that was the craziest thing I ever saw. And then falling through the getting choke slammed. And oh, yeah. I just watched that shit. If anybody, if anybody, and I'm sure most of you guys were listening to this, you must be watching. The um, the documentaries are doing an a on A and E the WWE biographies because they have mix up there. It's really good. What makes you ride along the house and just fall off your roof? Uh, that I don't know. <laughs> it's just like it's like just being uh, you know like so in Washington in Seattle like it rains all the time, right? So I feel like you start coming up with these like crazy like ideas you do yeah yeah <laughs> but uh, i don't see anybody else doing that shit back then but like it was but what was cool about it and uh, back to the tony hawk one was all these years later i'm in AEW, and then i start talking to tony hawk right and then i go down to his skate park in san diego oh, wow. and with him and i'm talking to him and i'm like you remember i'm the guy who dropped on the lightning bolt and it's like he's like you're that guy uh. like full circle it was like 10 years later. Yeah. And it was cool. Pretty cool moment, right? Yeah. Like to see like, oh, like there's this, well, cause a lot of people just like, I was a skateboarder and then I kind of disappeared and then I became Darby Allen. And a lot of people yep. thought like I died. Like <laughs> they thought like I dropped right. something and I died. Hey, kind of <laughs> logical. So, so, so let's go, let, let me go back to the preventive maintenance. Cause we haven't finished that right there. Like, Darby will bring me guys all the time. He'll call me up and go, Dave, listen, my what, what, what are some of the guys you brought over my house to do DDPY? Oh, I brought over my buddy, Kentucky. Oh, Kentucky. <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's a mess. You're like, yeah. he, he's a mess. He needs DDP over. Like, like, how often do you do my program? Like, yeah, I know you do an app, you do it by yourself. How, how many days a week are you actually doing that? I do it five times a week. And yeah. I, I've been doing it like the hip opener and then all the stretching. And, and I like the uh, the warm-ups that you right. guys got too. Um, but the, all this is what keeps you yeah. being able to walk around like a normal person. Well, that's that's the thing. Like we talked about it for, but since we're on the podcast right now, I'll touch base on it. Like just as crazy I'm in the ring, like I'm just as crazy with like rehab, rehabilitation, right. like taking care of myself because I don't like feeling like tight or sore or beat up so, and with what you do yeah that's kind of hard <laughs> yeah so like but the thing is a lot of people are like i feel great right now like nothing hurts amazing like i can you know and it's like people are like it's crazy when i see other people that do way less right are in like way more pain because they don't do the preventative maintenance yeah and then they're, it's they're common like, sense they're like oh you're just born like a cat and i'm like no dude no like, i was just like i remember when i was skateboarding and i was like having a lot of gnarly slams and this is before like i picked up any like you know programs with like stretching or something right. like that i was always like oh my gosh right, <laughs> like, I'm right. fuck. and then uh like but the, when i got into wrestling and then 
more of the sports therapy like came into play sure. and like all, everything i was like man like this is what i need and but being straight edge is also a huge thing for that because when you're when you when you're partying you know you're 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 breaking down your body you know and yeah. if you're gonna go out and do that crazy shit well that's what they say with like the recovery time like i know a lot of skaters that like once they like break their leg instead of like they're like oh i'm depressed i'm gonna drink beer and that like makes the recovery time so much harder, harder. so harder. it's like i'm like no guys like just you know so eat uh, real food yeah eat real food yeah yeah, yeah. you know yeah like and um i don't yeah it's not that it's like once you get into it in the routine it's not that hard it's not and then like that's the thing is like when people talk about like eating healthy they're like oh it's so either a it's so expensive or b it's so hard it's so easy just to go and get some fast food i'm like but once you get in the routine like things are like super easy and then like so i i've i've gotten so much of a routine now in my life as much as like i like to travel and do like crazy stuff i still have like a specific like routine that i follow sure and it's just all the stuff that you learned from me and stuff you picked up along the way yeah but it's so it, it's 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 about it's about the commitment and the consistency yeah without commitment there is no start without consistency there is no finish and you you got a long career ahead of you and for you to be like saying man i don't feel sore at all how old are you now 29 okay so you know that's you know you're you're over 25 yeah. So for you to be able to say that, that's that's Every, a powerful statement. You're putting work saying, in. You're gonna feel it when you're like no. when you get older. No, you're gonna feel it. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, but what I'm saying that what I'm telling them is like they just assume my life and my physicality, what I've done to myself, started when I was wrestling. I started when I was 21. Right. They just assume, but then like they forget that I've been doing crazy shit since I was like eight. Like you know so. Uh, to me, I'm like, they, people, they just, because I remember my first day at wrestling practice. Like, I'm taking. And where did you train at? Uh, the Buddy Wayne uh, down in Everett, Washington. Oh, Everett, met, Everett, Washington. You met his son. Yes, Nick, I did. Yeah, yeah. So I've been getting Nick. He's like he's like 17 now, but I've been getting him on your program and stuff. Like right. We were doing that because he, sometimes he'll stay with me on these AEW like loops. Right. And then we'll wake up and do your program in the morning. Nick, Nick Wayne, right? Yeah. I, I just watched one of his matches. The kid. He does a diamond cutter that I see. It must, yeah. I don't know if he's using it as a finish or whatever, but like shit, I've never even seen. Not, not even out of Randy and, you know, freaking, but, but you know, it's pretty, kids are pretty freaking talented. And I told him, I'm like, dude, start the program now. Yeah. But yeah. So you're the one who turned him on. Yeah. That's why he came yeah. up to you. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, his mom came up to me first. Yeah. yeah his mom. You know? Yeah. But uh, that, yeah, I, I remember we were, we were doing that like a couple of weeks before he met you. And I was like, you got to start it now. You know, because you're doing a lot of crazy stuff in the ring and you don't want to, you know, just assume that you're going to feel good forever. hundred percent. Now, let's go back. Let's, let's, let's talk about it for a second, because I love looking at young talent that get it. And he gets it as far as the moves. Yeah. And the dance. And I said to him, I said, you need to sell way more, bro. You know, because that's, that's and that's what's really that's what taking you. You still do crazy shit, but you sell. Yeah. And you can't all of a sudden get a you know, can of fire, you know, hose up your ass, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden you're strong as shit. Like, no, you got to be selling. Well, the, you know? like how I, since I went to film school, the way I like to look at things with wrestling is your wrestling can either be like that movie, The Expendables, where it's just like an action movie, and there's not a lot. There's just like crazy shit going on. So when you leave the theater, you're like, oh, that's cool. But a week later, it doesn't really like – it doesn't move you. It's just right. like, oh, that was cool. 
or you could have your match be like I'm going to say a random movie here, like Goodwill Hunting, where sure. it affects you long after people like think about that movie on an emotional level, right? And that's where I think we like selling. You know, like you can either people are going to remember your match because you're selling, or they're because they're not crazy matches with just moves are a dime a dozen nowadays yep. more than ever. And it's like it's like the girl who comes out in the fitness contest who does the flips, boom, 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 boom. You go, oh my god! The next girl's like, oh my god. By the next girl, wow, that was kind of cool. Oh, hey, by the next girl, it's like, I'm going to get some popcorn. You want yeah. some? You know, so, so there is a quote, and this is a quote you're burning your brain, and because you already get it, but there's a woman named Maya Angelou years and years and years ago said, they will not, what she had learned is they will not remember who you are. They won't remember what you said, but they will always make, or will always remember the way you made, they made you feel. Yeah. And that's what that is. And that's selling yeah. and seeing that, you know, when you, when you go, when you watch like Flair and Macho or Mach, uh, Flair and St uh, Steamboat, I mean, like those guys, as strong as they were, they sold like a son of a bitch, man. Oh, yeah. That's, that goes back to not having an, an ego with like trying to like look like the big guy. Cause I know there's like smaller guys and their brain. They want to wrestle as if they're like, you know, Hogan or something. Right. I'm like, bro, like, no, it's like I used to think being 165 pounds was a disadvantage. But now I find it the biggest advantage. It is because it's just like selling and having that sympathy. And then I'm like, now I can't even imagine if I was 6'5", 280 or something, you know, so I'm just like, oh, thank God that I'm, you know. Hey, dude, every, everything Crack I'm sure. Johnny, I, I'm sorry. I haven't cut. There's a lot of things I wanted to talk to him about. So let me no. cut you out. Baby. But if you got something to say yeah, to Darby, well, throw I'm going to build off that point, actually, because Darby, I've been watching you for six, seven years now. I got a chance to work a lot of promotions that you've worked with. And, and seeing how you captivate audiences is one of the coolest. I was at the match with Cody, the first match at Fighter Fest. And I remember looking around and seeing everyone they recognized that there was something special about what they were watching. I host Matt yeah. Hardy's podcast and Jeff Hardy. We always talk about he's the rock star. He's the enigma. There's something about Jeff Hardy that you see and you're like, that's a superstar. Darby Allen has a similar characteristic utilizing that against your height disadvantage and, and your weight and all that. So I, what I want to ask you is when and how did you recognize that that was something you could incorporate into your character to create this larger than life enigma that people would just be so attracted to. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with my outside influences that I brought into the world of wrestling because uh, I'm so happy that like when I was 18 years old, like right when I graduated high school, I like looked up wrestling schools in Seattle, but I didn't have the balls to actually like sign up because I was like, how old were you then? 18. Yeah. But like I graduated high school as 119 pounds. And then like I remember like, I just had this like big ass mohawk. And I'm like, I'm like looking at I'm looking at the website. I'm Wait like, a minute. Let me picture that. Okay, I got it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the website. I'm looking at the website. And then like everyone on the on the website page, they're just like bigger guys with like sweatpants, sweatshirts. They look like athletes. And then I'm like, there's no way I'm gonna fit into this. So I was like, screw it, I'm just gonna go to film school. And then I'm so happy that I didn't join wrestling right when I was 18 because the years of 18 to 21 shaped me so much just with my skateboarding and like my outside influences of stuff I was doing. And then 
you know, with anybody that asks me advice, like for wrestling, I always say, bring your outside influences into wrestling because things can happen like a million times, get recycled in wrestling. But it's cool to know that like my crazy stunts or my skateboarding or like the, like what I like to bring into, you know, the world of wrestling. Um, I feel like it helps shape me and it makes me like, like there's something different about that guy because I feel like people can, like they can relate to me because like, I remember when I was growing up, there wasn't a lot of wrestlers. I felt like I could really relate to. And then it's cool that like there's kids. How about Raven? No, not really. Okay. Yeah. And I, I just think that was because, you know, uh, I, you know, just cause his work in Portland, like I would like, li- like listen to a lot of stuff. And I like, I loved listening to his, uh, his psychology. Yeah. Scotty was, we've had him on the show and, you know, one of the, one of the best, Guys who really understands the psychology of wrestling. But I'm talking about like on a personal level, like who I could relate to, who I'd see myself like hanging out with. And then there's like, it's like, man, like, so I think a lot of people see and then they're like, oh, that he reminds me of some crazy guy I knew in high school or whatever, you know, just because like everything that I do outside of the ring with whether it's Nitro Circus or whether it's the stuff with Tony Hawk or like, you know, my like the fact that like I have a, skateboard with Deathwish skateboards which is like one of the top yeah. skate companies yeah. in the world like people are like oh like he's the it's like he it crosses over yes crosses and that's, that's so important and that's the big thing i've told uh tony <laughs> when i first got to AEW is like i want to connect with fans that either a gave up on wrestling in the 90s right, right. or b never gave it a chance because they're just like oh whatever like i don't like pro wrestling but i feel like when people like see me they're like oh like Okay, let's what's what's this what's this guy about? So let me let, 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 that's a good segue here. To, did you paint your face from the very first time you had a match? No. So when did that incorporate into your your who you were? So I always wanted to paint my face, but like I remember, I I was driving my first match I had was at this like place in the middle of nowhere or 40 people less than that <laughs> yeah there was probably three people there and this well let me just interject here anyone's listening you, you want to be a big time wrestler that's where it starts yeah in front of nobody yep. i wrestled on a card with rick flair on top sting luger steiner brothers uh we had 300 people there yeah it's crazy because wrestling hit such a low and it was in it was in uh, like an arena because they had done, they'd come from and they'd booked arenas. Yeah. So this is like 20,000. So everything's like blocked off and curtained off. And there's like a spot for like 3000 people and there's 300 people out there. So like that's, and that was the big time, you know? So with TV, with everything, I think today is a much better time for a kid coming up because there's so many oh, independents. Absolutely. You know, and, yeah. and, and, the, and the people like you out there, who will communicate with them. You don't, you know, you know who you are, but you don't play the big superstar shit. You're humble. And that's, and that's the way you got to be. Yeah. Like that's, well, that was my big goal with like coming into wrestling. I want to like leave the same way I came in and that's like have, you know, being humble and not like all of a sudden I blink and I'm like, who the fuck am I anymore? Like, I don't right. even know who I am. Like, but I'm, you do I, though. Yeah. But no, but that's right. the thing is like, just like, that's what goes with like staying humble and stuff like that. And so go back to the face. Come back to the face. Donna. Yeah, well, I uh, I started – I wanted – I always wanted to paint my face, but my trainer at the time was just like, oh, like, don't don't paint your face. Like, uh, he's like, just 
he, he might have thought it might have came off like little like you know amateur you know yeah. where like you know that you see this some pretty these, big names painted their face though <laughs> well, yeah but like he probably thought i he probably didn't know what i was gonna paint right and then you just think of like these like these like guys on the independence that try to like look spooky and right. their face paint looks like you work at like spirit halloween or something <laughs> so he probably thought i was gonna come off like that so how long did it take before you finally painted your face a year and a half so did you paint half of it then? Oh or? yeah, it's all. Oh, it's always all, been it's half. always been half of it. <clears throat> what was that? Always been half of it. Why? Well, because my uncle. Right. Don't tell tell that story. A lot yeah. of people don't know that story. So like my uncle was drunk driving. And, and how old were you? Five. Right. And then when he like he passed away in the accident when I was that, there. You were in the car. Yes. So what happened? He, he someone hit him. Did he? No, no. He literally just lost control. Yes. He no they one fall hit him. asleep. I don't know. You don't know. Yeah. But you're in the damn car. Yes. And is it rolling? Is it flipping? What has happened? Like, it's rolling for sure. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So and this is your real first stunt. And you, don't, I, yeah. you don't know it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe, Thanks, Unc. <laughs> but, uh, but, but the thing is, it's not like he died like right then and there. Right. He died in the hospital. Right. But uh, a lot of it, I, you know, I don't even think he had a seatbelt on. Right. You know, like, I don't know what the hell. Did like, you? Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, so I always wanted to like paint my face and like, and I just figured, you know, so that's the backstory for you. Yes. Okay. And I've heard you say you're half dead. Well, no, but the thing is like, is that a character? No, no. But, part the, of thing, but the thing is like, I don't, that goes back to the spirit Halloween bullshit. Like, right. I don't want to like come off like I'm some like half dead zombie. Like that's never what I was. Okay. That's going, why I'm that's, asking. Yeah. That's never what I was going for. Cause I remember I was like on the independence and then there's like, some wrestlers at the time, like that, didn't know anything about me. They're like, "Oh, I like the zombie gimmick," and I'm like, "God damn it!" <laughs> I'm like, like, it's not what I'm trying to do. And I was, but I, I was just like, uh, I, I, I always said, like, it's not a zombie gimmick, and it's not like I'm half dead. Where I believe that when I say I'm half dead, is it's in the sense of like I don't respect people or trust people. So like a lot of like like living that goes into life is how you perceive the world and who you trust and everything like that. And if you don't trust anybody, half of you is going to feel dead inside. Right. So a lot of it was just going into like from an early age, like I don't trust like my uncle, you know, or like, and then right. you kind of, you don't trust people and like what they're, you know what I mean? So you're just like, fuck, like whatever I'm, you know, so that's where the aspect of half dead comes okay. in. All right. It was never like, Oh, I'm fucking walking dead here. Right. But, and then, so, and then that's where like, because I got this like tattoo on my chest, like nothing's over till you're underground, and a lot of that has to do. About all the shit on your body, though, dude. What's the one on your neck? Ain't life grand. So everything you. This is what I noticed about you from the first time we met to you coming over. Like you can catch Darby. He's in a bunch of the workouts. Uh, he comes over occasionally and jumps in with us when we're filming, uh, even when we're not. But what I noticed is you have a really positive outlook on life. Well, because. Yeah, the nothing is over till you underground is I got that tattooed when I was in film school and I was about to drop, I was about to drop out of film school. And, and like, I just kept thinking to myself, a lot of people at the time, they may be 21, like people that I went to high school with, but they already felt like, Oh, I'm too old to achieve my dreams. Like right. I throw, and that's, that's fucking wild. Ridiculous. But people are controlled by their brains. 
and like their thoughts on how the world works. And Stop the there, because that's a powerful statement. And that's a, if you catch any of my reels on Facebook or Instagram, it's all about the six inch piece of real estate in between your ears. It's that inner voice. Yes. It's that story you tell yourself. And well, that's what you're saying. Yeah. And then they'd be like, oh, like my dreams can't come true. And then they just settle for this whatever mediocre life. Because it's like, you know, when you're in like second grade, no one signed like, where do you want to be when you're older? No one's going to say Walgreens assistant manager. Like, right, but like right. people just get this like, and there's nothing wrong with that if that's no. what you want to do. If that's what you want to do. But a lot of people don't want to do that, but they settle for it. Well, they do because then they get married, then they have a kid, then it needs a job, then they need to feed their kids. But like that's, the thing, that's the thing though is like, that's why I got like nothing's over tail on the ground because anytime you can achieve your main goals. And I think you're a good example, you know, <laughs> yeah. becoming a, like when you were like, 38? 35 is when I started wrestling to train. Yes. And my career didn't take off till I was 40. Yeah. You know? so, so, like, that's a, but that's the thing is, like, I know, like, I've heard of people that, like, their goal is being a Hollywood movie and their big break doesn't happen until they're 60. Right. So, like, the thing is, it's just like nothing's over until you're dead. So, like, right. your dreams or whatever. And you talk about, like, your mind and stuff like that. What a lot of people also don't know about me is I, uh, I went to, so Rob Deerdeck, who is, you know, the host of ridiculousness, right? He has this hypnotist slash psychiatrist. And then he credits that guy for all his success because he probably shifted his mind. So. Yes. So I went to that same guy <clears throat> in La Jolla, California, Dr. George Pratt. And then that, so is he actually a doctor? Yes. Yeah. Mm, interesting. I might want to talk to you about that. Hi, hi, like hypnotherapy and all this like stuff. And I went to him because I How went, old were you? This was two years ago. Okay. Because I was doing good in AEW. Everything was like positive, but I felt like there was something like I needed to expand my mind. And like, so he works on like blockage that you have, like to like unblock, you know, and reach your full potential. Sure. So I asked him like, what was Deerdex thing? Like what was holding him back? Because at the time he was, he was only 24 years old and he was about to lose all his sponsorships in skateboarding. And this is before he was on TV or anything like that. And then he said the biggest thing that was holding Deerdeck back that they helped unblock was Deerdeck is from Ohio. So in Deerdeck's mind, he didn't find himself worthy of being a millionaire because he's just some skinny white kid from Ohio. Right. And then he let that control him. He's like, oh, someone like me isn't worthy of all this. Yeah, that, that worthy thing weighs on a lot of people, man. So when they unblocked that, that's when he was off to the races. Right. And then that's why Deerdeck always says in interviews like i owe everything to dr george pratt because he opened up his mindset yeah and that's know? like i'm a big component of like meditation like with meditation's your mind. huge i'm just just literally starting that but you're right it's like so it's like so fun and uh so like that that goes back to like everything so i got that tattoo and then the ain't life grand i got probably two months ago and then it was i knew that i thought that was a new one yeah it's just like my, <clears throat> my thing with that is you know, I, every time, the more I meditate, the more I feel like I find out like what my life's all about. And then like, you, and then you realize how amazing life is. Stop there. Stop there. Cause people need to hear that. That was a very, very profound statement you just said there. Cause I've been looking into meditation for years now and been doing it on and off, but now I'm finally dabbling into it where I'm probably not going to let it go because of all the things you're saying it takes you away 
from the bullshit of life or the pressures or the stresses or the I'm not worthy yeah. and put you into a spot where you're just focusing on your breath. And it's probably good to just put some earplugs in sometimes so you don't hear anything but your breath. And it, it's that calming time. And that's what, as human beings, we need that. Yeah. We and need that. That's like a big thing with, it's funny how people don't find themselves worthy, yet they find the next person onto the street worthy. Like, oh, like, well, why, how'd that guy, like, oh, that guy, like, became super successful millionaire. And like, well, yeah, he's worthy of it. But then why aren't you? Like, people yeah. just seem, you know, like, they kind of, it's like about building your own, like, self up. And it's like real cool. And so like last night, for example, like when I first moved to Atlanta, I was like living in my car and I would be up in the city. When you first got here, yeah. you didn't have the gig. Yeah. This, no is, AW. this is like 2017, late 2017. And people understand sometimes you live in your car. Yeah. But and, you can get out of your car. Yeah. But, <laughs> but like the thing is like, so I would park in the parking garage up in the city by the Anytime Fitness because I would take showers at the Anytime right. Fitness use my uh george foreman grill to cook food there <laughs> and then uh but like so i that's up in the city but i live down in uh, mcdonough which is like 45 minutes from there but last night i drove up there and i and i like worked out in that specific gym right and then i drove up to the parking garage and then i like parked there and just like sat and like wow. remembered being in this car that's that, that was powerful it was emotional like there's times i'll cry just sure. because it's like living with that, like, what if, like back in 2017, like, what if this is not going to work out? Like, what's going to happen? You know what I mean? And then so like, I'm up in that parking garage last night and I'm just like thinking to myself, and I like to do that, like probably like once every six months, go to that and just like remember sleeping in that Keeps you garage. humble. Yes. And that's the thing is like the, the night before I uh, beat Cody for the TNT championship, I just slept in my car at the hotel parking lot. They got us a nice <laughs> hotel for AEW, but I was like, I'm just gonna sleep in my car because like it's like remembering things. Yeah, and, and, and people, like, a lot of people don't understand it. They think, well, what the fuck's he doing that for? He doesn't need <laughs> you. He got the hotel, well, but it, it's about grounding yourself. Yes, and then seeing the, you know, seeing the future. You manifest things to happen. Yes, and you've been doing it all the way through this. And, and that's like a big thing that I found out with Dr. George Pratt is. It's not so much my success that's going to make my me happy. It's the success of my family and friends. So like I I'm, I was so caught up in the rat race of like I gotta make it, I gotta make it. I gotta make it. So I you know I become champion, and I still feel like something's missing. Right. And then when I when I start talking to Doctor George Pratt, and then all of a sudden it's like it was never about me. It was about everyone. So right then and there, that's when I started like flying my dad and my mom out to crazy events. I met, which I met. Yeah, when you're about to jump over the house. Yeah, and so like maybe kill yourself. <laughs> but uh, so it's like I I I'd meet up with them. Uh, no, I bring them places. Now I I pay my brother to live at my house now and watch my pugs. I have ten of them. He's the wait a minute. Are you up to ten now? Yeah, he's the pug. He's the pug whisperer. And then like, but like the thing is, like I pay the I pay pug him. Whisper. Yeah, I pay him. And I bring him on all these adventures and these right. crazy places. And it's like, that's what makes this all worth it, is bringing your family and friends right. along for the ride. Because if you're on the top of the mountain by yourself, like, that's... Doesn't, doesn't work. Yeah. So, like, it's awesome that, you know, so, like, that's, like, my goals now is just to have my family and friends, like, 
because that's way more rewarding than anything I could do in professional wrestling. Uh, it's, 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 it's attitude of like, gratitude. You know? Yeah. It's all of that. So it's, it's real nice to, uh, there's nothing I won't do for like my close friends and family. And you like, have the people you trust. So I'm, I'm, I'm noticing you're drinking a little bit of a, 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 a shock, energy drink. What's a shock it? energy. Uh, they, they, some of your boys. Yeah. I want to, they, they, they sponsor nitro circus. And uh, they're the official drink of Nitro Circus, all these other crazy like things. And you know, I to me, like I wanna the cool thing about energy drinks is when you can work something out with them, is a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, like energy drinks, yeah, whatever. But like what they do for the alternate action sports like world. Yeah, it's a big deal. And right? then what they make possible, you know, like if you look at Pastrana's compound. It's like a lot of it's funded from energy drinks, right? You know, and like it pushes like the boundaries of like what's possible in action sports, and that's what I want my house to become. Is like I got fourteen acres, but I, I have all these crazy. You have fourteen acres on that piece. Yeah, There's a lot of houses around you. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> and then I I built this big skate park in the backyard. You haven't seen yet, <laughs> you, but like oh, you gotta see his crib, and I haven't even seen that yet. <laughs> and then, but we have all these dirt jumps now for because I bought a can am and I have a four wheeler and dirt bikes and. But I want my house to become what Pastrana's house was, like this action sports mecca, like compound where like the best in the world come to perfect their craft. Right. And like I want, I want that like energy around my house because like when I went to Pastrana's house and like, and I remember like looking around and it was such a positive place where you're like, oh, so like, it's like I, I go there and it's like amazing, and then that's where I want to have like. I want to like wake up in the morning, like look out the backyard, and someone's like doing a double backflip on the dirt bike. So, so this is the entrepreneur in you too, you know. Which it's very few of us have that. You know what I mean? That have that vision to like. I never lost sight of what am I going to do after this. Yeah. Like as I was going through it and living it at the highest level, and because <clears throat> I think DDP Yoga was going to be that. I thought maybe, but I thought it would have been like inspirational speaking, which I do on top of that too. But you're always looking like, what's that thing you're doing? It needs to, you know, parlay what you've done into this next deal. Well, so what, one of the things you have is a clothing line, right? Yeah. And what is that called? It's called Hoodlum. We're, we're in Zoomies, but this Friday we're going to have an, an online drop. And it's like we do a, like an online drop for like two weeks only. So it's like everything's made to order. That's hoodlum.shop. And that's like, so that was another outlet that I can express myself. And it was like, I'm very like grateful and fortunate to have gotten into Zoomies with us just being a brand for nine months. Right. Because Zoomies are like, you know, the biggest like skate retail thing in the malls around sure. the country. So um, it, that was, that was an awesome like thing. So it's just another outlet. And then it goes back to Nitro Circus. Uh, I was like a big fan of Nitro Circus growing up. And if anyone's not familiar with Nitro Circus, it's like the premier like action sports. Like it's the best of the best with everything. And then uh, so I was doing one of their live shows in Seattle and I got on one of those tricycle big wheels. And I, I went down this big 40 foot rolling and I backflipped a 25 foot gap. And then I, I landed on it, but then I slipped out last second. And like, then you, you know, said that to me. Yeah. <laughs> and then Nathan, we need that too. And then, the, <laughs> and, the, and the thing is, like, as I was backflipping this tricycle, and then like, I, it was so weird because I was like, I couldn't stop smiling. And I, like, I felt like, I felt like my, my, in a weird way, like my true calling in life was backflipping tricycles. 
and I was, big wheels. And yeah, and I was just like, I was like, I was like, man, like I could do this forever. And like I was like, man, like I feel like this, I was like this, this like makes me so happy. And so I'm going back in uh, September 9th. They're doing a show in Brooklyn, New York, and I want to go down there and help promote the Arthur Ashe show. And that's another thing I, with AEW is I'll come up with ideas to like help promote the shows. I'm like, yo, like. Let me. I'm gonna perform at Nitro Circus on September 9th in Brooklyn, and then two weeks later we're gonna be there for Arthur Ashe. Right. So I'm trying to connect with this action sports fans, right. and uh, so I'm gonna go back and backflip the tricycle again. But I want to land it this time, like actually roll away, because once you roll away, you hit this big airbag. But I haven't made it to the airbag yet. So like, uh, that's like a you will, yeah. You like, will. So, uh, but at first I was like, man, this is gnarly. Like, 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 woo, like I was like looking down, about to go down. And I was like, holy. It, like this is insane so like funny. and then uh so we're we're gonna hit that and then um but that's like that's like a cool like little thing and then uh another big outlet that i like to do is stuff with music and on september uh, i think it's 24th we're going to kentucky for a louder than life festival my buddy's band is like uh playing one of the main like sets there and uh ghost main and we're going to there's going to be like so much, like thousands of people there, but we're, that's when we're going to do the body bag crowd surf again. Cause when we did it before, there was like a club of like 350 people. But now if there's like over, over like, you know, like thousands and thousands of people at this louder than life festival, that's what we're going to do. The body bag crowd surf again. And that, <laughs> and if you're like, don't you get claustrophobic? I'm like, just give me like a lunchable and a water. Maybe put a little plastic thing so you can see people. You're going. No, but that's the fun part. I just want to be like, where you am don't, I? Yeah, you don't want to know where you're going. Yeah. That's the cool thing is like when we when we do these like music festivals, like people be like, oh shit, that's Darby Allen in that bag. Like in it, like and it just like I'm very. I like to be very hands on with my advertising. I know you do. Everything. I know you do. I but love like, that about you. Is there something we can do that's physical? Like, no. Can you just talk? I'm like, no. I got to do something. <laughs> but it's fun. So let me. Let, this is a you know, for a kid growing up being a huge wrestling fan, Sting being the icon that he you know has been for damn over 35 years now. He's he's in the Ric Flair club of lasting forever. Yeah. Um, 63 right now. Wh- when you when you found like how did that come about of you and the stinger getting together i don't even know to be honest it was like it said it was so natural yeah it's so natural it's almost like osmosis put it together so you know about a week out i heard he was coming in right and i was like oh shit like that's crazy and i've never met him at that time you know right and then like the day of he's coming in uh he had his own little private like trailer and then like Cody's like, hey, let's go, let's go meet him. I'm like walking in, and then the first thing he says is like, I like your videos, your promos, and I'm like, that's another example, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I was like, oh, that's so, I was like, sick. So that broke the ice, right? And then uh, that stinger's digging your shit, yeah. And he's like, don't, <laughs> he's like, don't change a thing, and I was like, oh, sick. And then uh, I don't know if they had a specific plan for him when they first got in, yeah, probably not. But like <laughs> that. Four weeks in, I we I feel like we were building up like a tease, like what's Sting gonna do? What's Sting gonna do? And all of a sudden, like one week, it was just like, all right, you're a stinger. And I was like, oh, sick. And then this is during the pandemic, and, and no people, no people. I mean, that that to me was like, God, just wait a little while longer because everyone will lose their fucking minds. Yeah, you but know? There, there was like, there was like, I don't know how there was a small <clears throat> crowd the night he debuted. 
mm. small because crowd. Like that, that's when people were just starting. Yes. To have the guts, you know, let, let them in. But yeah, like, it, and I remember the small crowd even being super fucking yeah. loud. And Tony Giovanni out. is, yeah. is, Tony is, it's Sting! <laughs> oh, Tony is phenomenal. Yeah, it was one of those moments where I, I was laying in the ring and then, you know, selling and the lights go out and then I'm like, I know what's going to happen. So it's like one of those like awesome moments. Oh, Where dude. you're just like, oh my God. And I've get, been, getting, I've been, getting that rub. Yeah. You know, like for me, it was when I was going through my shit with, um, Randy had to, I don't remember how it happened, but Sting fucking came out with the baseball bat, mm -hmm. you know, but I'm over as fuck. So me and Randy are already going through our thing and they're circling me. And you, when you start to get those rubs from those top, like, yes, icon guys, it just pushes you to the next level. And this goes back to how, what people, they just assume me and Sting, are, oh, they're just paired together because they have face paint. <laughs> and I was like, like, it goes so much Way further beyond that. So, for example, we're in the pandemic. Like, I found this boiler room at Daly's place, and I'm just changing the boiler room by myself. Just like, I'm not, it's not like I don't want to change with the boys because I have a big head. It's just more of the fact that, like, I like to meditate and I like to, like, think about, you know, storylines and, like, what I want to do. And it's just that silence. Sure, is, I guess is, is like really good for me. So I'm in this boiler room, and there's like <laughs> there's like a there's literally a dead rat in there and stuff. Sting comes by, and at the time he you know he's been there for like about two three months maybe, and then he comes by and he like looks he's like you change in here. <laughs> yeah. I'm all like I'm like yeah like it's just I just shut the door and you know <clears throat> think about life and then he he uh, he's all like. You don't need to be in here anymore. My locker room is your locker room now. And he's got his private trailer. Right. And then so he's like, you, you come, you, you can change your mind now. And then, so to this day, he's got a private room and I always change in there. It's just right. me and Sting in there. Right. It's just us two for hours talking. And he normally like shows up at the building, like say or if the show's at eight, maybe like around like five. So from call times one. So I'll be there from one to five just by myself you know, stretching or writing goals down or thinking of like maybe like doing Zoom calls for other businesses and stuff like that. But but the moment he comes in, we're in there just talking from like, you know, about segments and stuff. But it's like really cool. And the fact that a lot of people don't know that part about us, you right. know, like because sure. like I don't feel like Sting would just open his door to anybody. No. <laughs> Fuck no. But now he's like, I feel like he's <clears throat> uh, yeah, I feel like he's uh he's definitely got a bigger taste of like what I'm all about outside the ring. Cause he was there when I jumped the house and he's like, so why are we doing this again? But <laughs> like, um, well, I'll never forget me and Stinger were, were wrestling on uh, he, the first, he was the first over guy to like give me a match. And like, it's 1996. I want to say it was January 24th. Cause I think I saw that somewhere. Um, and he said, so we're working tonight. He goes, what do you want to do? I'm like, uh, I got I got some ideas. And he let me like lay out like most of it, you know? Yeah. And then we went out there and we fucking, you know, it was a hell of a match. Yeah. Let me, let me back up and explain what this really means. When I tell Michael P.S. Hayes that I'm managing him at the time, right? And and Jimmy Jam Garvin, the Freebirds, right? They're not gonna let me manage anymore. You're going to let me still do color commentating, but I'm a fourth string color commentator, right? So I'm thinking, 
Okay, my career's over because next guy to freaking if I I got to become a wrestler. Yeah. So I tell them right before we walk to the ring because they're so as much as they busted my balls, they were super empathetic to the situation. Like, hey, D, so sorry to hear, man. You know, blah blah blah. I'm like, hey, no big deal. I, I got seven months left of my contract. I'm going to go become a wrestler. They look at each other, burst out laughing so hard. Michael falls down, right? And I'm like, fuck you. Give them the, both the finger and go to the go to the ring. I'll see you out there. <clears throat> After that match, and me and Sting walk through the, you know, the curtain, like standing ovation. I'm like, Is that on YouTube? Uh, it'll be on YouTube, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, want, I want to see. I, I just never, <clears throat> I don't, you know. So wait, let me finish. So, I, get, so, so I go home the next day. And I'm gonna. My day was go go to the gym, go to the, the uh, my chiropractor, can have pie kinesiologist, deep muscle massage therapy, and then go go get tan, and then get home around eight o'clock. <clears throat> I forgot something, so I ran home to my house. As I'm running out the door, I'm hearing the phone ring, and it goes to the messenger. Page, P.S. I run to the phone, Mike. Hey, buddy, man, I've heard you whatever. He's God damn son of a bitch, mother. I'm like, Mike, Mike, what's the matter? What's the matter? Page. You know how sometimes you want someone to not be home because you want to leave a fucking message? Yeah. You want me to hang up so you can call back and leave back? No, fuck it. Fuck it. You know, you're on here now. Page, I got to be honest with you. I have no senior match last night. I got to tell you. You and the stinger. I have never been so happy to eat crow in all my life. He goes, great job, kid. And he hung up with me. <laughs> but that that moment was Sting giving me that. And we would have some, it was my favorite match, losing to him for the world title and that thing. And we were we we were going home, like gonna be finished in a minute. And they go, You got five more minutes. And that match. And that succession of things we did because we got to work together so many times. Anytime you ever see him pick up for a spinning power bomb, he rubs in my hair, he goes, shampoo. Because <laughs> <laughs> he just loves to fuck around with a little shit like that. Yeah. It makes it so much more fun. You yeah, know? no. But I loved working with him, man. Yeah, when we call matches and stuff, he has all these funny one-liners. Right. I want to add this real quick on that front before we wrap things up here. Like, sure, Darby, you got a huge rub from Sting. No doubt about that. But I also think that you've lent some credibility to Sting as he's on this last run here in his late 60s where he's in front of this audience. You know, Some of the audiences younger didn't see the heyday of Sting. And you have this cool enigma quality yeah, about you that is drawing people to see Sting in this final act of his career. I, that just I would have to imagine for you that has to be a really rewarding experience getting to carry that out here. Yeah, no, it's... It's like something to know how legendary his career has been up until this point, and then that you have, you know, you're you're part of the final chapter, which like everyone knows, like the final chapter could mean just as much as any part of the any other chapters, and then like to be in that, it's like when he first got to AEW, he originally signed on for just cinematic matches, right. Which are way harder than regular matches. They're, they're <laughs> so he, he signed up for the cinematic matches. And then we were training at his house down in Texas because he had a ring down there. Right. And I just straight up said to him, I was like, man, we don't need to do no cinematic matches. Let's do this live. <sighs> and he like, and then I was like, 
kind of convinced him to, <laughs> to think about it. And he's like, you convinced Sting to come out of retirement? To do actual. Do in once you do, once you do cinematic shit, it's like you can do it over and over and over again to get the right shot. It's like a movie. Yeah. That's what friggin', you know, the, uh, Ready to Rumble was. It beat the fuck out of me, man. I mean, it 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 was just because I take the same bumps over and over and over again, and you're cold. Yeah. You know, and at the time I'm 42 years old. Man. Yeah, like I and I remember, I remember that, like, and I was just like, there's nothing we have to hide here with right. like your performance. It's not like we're like, all right, cut, like let's get another angle that makes that look better. Like you're moving good. Yeah, I was surprised, you're man. Kicking ass, like so we that's when we we got the green light to do me and Sting versus Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky double or nothing. And that was like his first match back like live since the neck injury that he had sure. in 2014. Right. And I remember I, when I was training, I watched that match with him, like his neck, you know, and then I was like, obviously like, I'm like, I know Sting's this legendary guy. And I'm just like, that's wild to see like someone's career end there. Right. And so you thought, right. and then so like, you thought, and then like, so <clears throat> you fast forward and then we're having this, like this match. And it what meant the most to me after that match is him coming up to me. He's like, none of this is possible without you. After like we had the match, and then um, and then so like, you know, like I call my brother the pug whisper. I fe- I feel like I'm the sting whisper in like a way, like, <laughs> with just like to like tell tell and uh like because he kind of like comes up. He's like, you think I should do this? Or you think I should do that? And I'd be like, don't do this, do this. Like, and it just because. He's like, you know me, like, in what I'm capable of more than anything. And I'm like, dude, like, it. that's, like, what's so cool about everything. And then the fact that we're, like, so close now. Yeah, it's and great. Then, uh, you, you can know. see it. I mean, there's certain people who have chemistry together, and you guys really do. Now, we're going to leave it on this note here because I know we've been here for a while. But the uh, I saw Sting. What's the highest shit he jumped off? Like I did the big thing off the top rope right. onto the guys on the so, floor when I did it. But Sting was doing that back in the day. I'd never done it. But then I saw him come off what looked like a skyscraper. I, well, so, so, what was that? So everyone's like, oh, Darby's a horrible <clears throat> influence. I'm like, <laughs> I, I never I never told him to do any of that. He came oh, over to me and said, I'm jumping off this. I'm like, no, no, people got to get that straight. Like, I don't tell him to jump off of shit. He jumps off of right. himself. And uh, I, I would say, like, so when he jumped off at Revolution off the balcony through the two tables that were stacked on each other. Oh, my God. Like, that was wild. I watched that back, like, nine times to see if it was, like, did he, really, did he make it through that? But, like, we, uh, the last match we've had was at, uh, you know, the Forbidden Door pay-per-view when we teamed up in New Japan. And then... You know, he to start the match, he jumped off the tunnel, and that's a pretty tall tunnel. Like, wow! And then, so it's like the beginning of the before the match even starts. That's how the, the hills are like making their entrance, and he jumps off onto them. And then it's like a moment where, like, as he's jumping, you're like, God, I hope he hits him. Well, well, as he, you're like, is this gonna? Is he gonna be able like to finish the match? Because he had so much other things he had to do in the match, like physical stuff. I'm like, oh man, but like it was awesome. And then, like, so, I don't know. Like, he just got this uh, urge to jump off the thing. Well, you know, bottom line is he's still going. And yeah. he, they'll rub it off. And he, he's another guy who's pretty much straight edge today, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, freaking all the way around. And uh, I've been ta- I've been talking to him more about, like, you know, I uh, had him get 
the dry needling just recently. Yeah. You know, he's never, you know, he never tried it, which is like pretty much like acupuncture. Right. And then I had him do it. And uh, I got a bunch of things. You got to come over to my house now. You got to see what the hell I have now from this Live O2, which is oxygen deprivation training. But it really like for your brain, for your body, for ever. I mean, I always feel like super jacked up of it. It's like, you know, how um, we're breathing 21% oxygen right now, right? The bag has got 90% oxygen, Damn. and the lower pack has anywhere from 8% oxygen up to 16% oxygen where you set it. So now you're training, and it's crushed your whole mouth. And when you're not breathing in that air, you got to really like for and it gets scary sometimes because it's like you can't breathe. You can just take the mask off and you can breathe again, or you can flip to ninety percent. But while you're going through it, it's that fight or flight thing. Yeah. But you got to come over because it's really about helping the brain and getting oxygen to the brain with the first. So you do it while you do your like, like a bike. I, I can't yeah. do my workout with it because cool. it's too much movement. Yeah. But I, I got I got a treadmill for that for my wife. I like the bike just because I'm doing it really easy in the beginning because you've got to get used to that. Is something you can <clears> skate with? No, you can't. <laughs> you can't. Put it on a this, backpack and just go with it. There you go. This is something nobody I care about for this. Yes. About oxidizing the brain. There's a couple mm-hmm. of boys that have turned on to this. Jake for his, you know, his OC, uh, yeah. what's called OCPD. What is, what is it called where you can't breathe? Um, well, whatever it is. That's why you see Jake with that because, you know, he smoked for 50 plus years you know yeah. and so now it's you know that and, you know, he's, he's down there's two cigarettes he can take but it's hard to breathe so now we've got that oxygen training to nice. again get the good oxygen yeah. on him and deprivation but you need to come over and try that yeah one. i love like trying out new things like it's so fun to like all these like new like technologies i, I get all excited about that like I'm always like, dude, I'll, try, I'll be a guinea pig for any like physical therapy and stuff. Of course you will be. <laughs> I, I bought, I bought this like neck structure thing, you know, like where you like you pump it up and it like stretches your neck. Yeah, Nash, like Nash turned me on to that. I like yeah. lay, I lay down with it for like 30 minutes, and, and it's like, good. Oh, it feels amazing. It's about traction. Yes, and it's just like an inversion table for your neck. Yeah, so right. It's nice. I yeah. Love it. So, uh, I love it. yeah, you got to come over. You got to see the, the the yoga swing too. Where you, your hips and your hang. I saw that. That's real. You got to get one of those. Dude. Yeah, I saw it, that. It's another. Yeah. Yeah, it looks nice. Well, listen, Thank dude, it was so great for you to come by, man. Yes, so sir. great to come by. Uh, we're gonna wrap it up here, Johnny. I'm sorry I didn't take you out. There's a lot of things to <laughs> hey, talk about with uh, Darby here. Um, so uh, next week, uh, one of the things that we were gonna highlight on is Roman Reigns and McIntyre. What happens out there in the castle that they're uh, fighting over there in the UK? So. Uh, uh, Really looking forward to that match, and uh, uh, I'm expecting it to be a barn burner. Yeah, we got all out too. We got all, we out, got all out too. Yeah, um, Mean Sting will be there. Uh, our match will be announced Wednesday. Okay, we'll uh, it'll be at all out. Where it all started, man. Yeah. All out, man. All I right, like man. the sound of that. I like the sound of that. Darby. This was so great, man. We got to get you back on here at some point because there's so much more to touch on. But thank you so much for your time. Uh, all the Snake Pit fans appreciate you. Diamond Dallas Page, anything else you want to throw out there? Cameo, of course. Anything else? Not everybody knows where I'm at on Cameo. They can get me there. Or, uh, but check out some of the our, our reels on uh, on uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Just throwing out a lot of positive energy. So no uh, until next week, see ya. We'll see you guys next week right here on DDP Snake Pit.